Welcome to the podcast of Vertical Life Church. We hope and pray these messages encourage and challenge you to find your glorious purpose in Christ Jesus. For more information, visit us on the web at www.vlchurch.tv. Well, good morning. I didn't expect all that today. But the beauty of the Holy Spirit and the Lord, which you didn't know, maybe, is that when my wife began crying and praying, you know, and reading the word that God had given her, she hadn't shared with me, she hadn't shared that with me yet. So I was hearing it for the first time with you all, and she read from Hebrews 6 about Jesus being the anchor for our souls which was in my introduction, so I can't use that. So it was amazing that the Holy Spirit has already begun weaving things, and then as we were praying down front, and Amanda called for the church to pray over us, which we're so thankful for. It was such a blessing. You often come and to prepare to minister to rather than be ministered to, so that was such a blessing. But over and again, she was declaring, Amanda and then others in prayer, God, we're ready for you to move. God, we're ready for you to move the enemy out and move the blessings in. And, and that theme of move just began to hit everybody's prayer. And the new series we're starting is called Make Your Move. I feel it. I don't know about you, but I feel it. So I shared this with uh, some of our volunteers uh, about a month or so ago, but every year I pray and I ask the Lord, God, what is your theme for this year? Coming up, uh, we entered a new year, it's a new season. Um, what is your theme? And just kind of press into not really a New Year's resolution. We, we do that all the time. Like I already... I've already like started my new diet plan yesterday, and and uh, and so we have these New Year's resolutions. But on the spiritual side, it's really hard to keep up with New Year's resolutions. Often we like we make them, we start them, and about May, if you get that far, uh, they kind of begin to peter out. And uh, so I heard on on the radio years ago that rather than coming up with a bunch of new resolutions, ask God for a word, one word to define your year. And I was really inspired by that. So I've been doing that year after year. And in last year, the word that we had was build. And, and our story has been just kind of a miraculous story. Um, but at the end of 2019, we probably had 15 people. Maybe 20 if everyone showed up. You know, when it snows, you don't get everybody. Right? Right? But then we decided to press into prayer, and then 2020 hit. Things were, were like we were renewed vision. We had a fresh vision. Janice remembers, like, she came to visit um, that Sunday, and that was a Sunday, like, God shut everything down, and we just sang the whole time. It was, it was awesome. And then COVID hit the next week, and we were shut down for three months, you know, or a couple of months. But after that, we just continued to press in. We were praying online and pressing in. And when we got to meet back in here, God began to do something supernatural. We went from 15 to about 65 to 70, the year COVID hit. Our finances went from losing money every week because of our bills to 
tripling our, our budget. I mean, it was miraculous. Um, in 2020, we prayed and we asked God, God, send us 20, 20 new families in 2020, and he did. Matter of fact, the, the 2021 Sunday, I was able to list and read everybody's name that came in 2020, and we had literally 20 new families in 2020. Supernatural God that we serve. So the year last year, the, the, the word was build. And what I felt like God was leading us to do is just build on the momentum, what we were doing. And, and he gave us a vision, a sevenfold focus for, for our church, what he wanted us to focus in on. And, and so we actually, in pressing in, we were able to purchase the property and, and just begin planning, okay, God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to build on this property? So we, last year we hired an architect, and we're in the process of coming up with plans, and we've seen a couple different things which are really exciting, and uh, hopefully in the near future we'll be able to show some of those to you all and, uh, and get you excited with what God is doing there. But we also started really building on the discipleship that, that needs to be in place for revival to happen. The people of God need to be on fire for God. And one of the biggest challenges that, that I see and, and I encounter in almost every circumstance with someone who's struggling in the relationship with God is they don't know how to hear God's voice. And so it's a very religious experience. I do this, God does this. More than a two-way conversation. God, what are you saying today? What's on your heart today, God? What do you want to talk about today? You hear my laundry list of complaints every day. You're like, what's on your heart? What do you want to complain about? Don't you think God has some things to complain about? I think he does. What's on your heart? Who are you thinking about right now, God? And how do you want to use me to make an impact in their life? And so we began pressing into that on our prayer nights, going through the basic prophetic training. And then we're in our advanced training now in, in our prayer nights. And we began doing City Walk, where we gathered in the park. It was so cool. Where we gathered, we had no idea what to expect. But we thought, well, we'll praise God a little bit. We'll pray and ask God, okay, God, where do you want us to go? And who do you want us to talk to? And we'll just break up into groups and we'll wander the, the city and see what happens. I remember what Jesus did to the disciples, broke them up two by two. He says, go and don't even take a bag or a stick or anything with you. Just blind faith. Just go and do it. And so we're like, if the disciples could do it, we could do it too. So we broke up and did that. It was amazing how the words that we heard, the people that God put on our heart, we actually encountered and it, the, from the names to circumstances to places and just the things that God did. And we did that a couple of times this year. And so it was encouraging to know that when we let the Holy Spirit lead our lives, what encounters we can have in the way God's love can be poured out into our, our, our lives and into our church. So we continue to build on what we had in 2020 into 2021. The, so at the end of... Last year, like as I began pressing in and asking, God, God, what's your word for 2022? What's your word? What, what do you want to say to us? What is our kind of our theme that, that you want us to press into in prayer and just in, in contemplating what we're going to do this year? And I just really believe that God said the word move. Move. And, the, and that word has many applications. There's many, many ways you could take that. I, first and foremost, believe that God's going to move in some powerful ways. 
He's going to do some big things. But even if God moves in subtle ways, which often he does, those ways are powerful. Sometimes it's the subtle things that make the biggest difference in our lives. So I think God's going to be moving big and in small ways. And I believe he's going to move in us and through us. His spirit's going to be poured out. Like we talked about a fresh fire. I think a fresh fire is coming to the church if we're seeking after it. If our hearts are open and we're, we're joining in that prayer, it says, God, give me a fresh, fresh fire. God, renew me. God, speak to me. God, revive my soul. And so I think he's going to present many opportunities for us to move with him, which is going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. And a story, a passage of scripture that I just have been mulling over for weeks now in light of this word move, it is, it's a very famous story. It's not one we talk about often, but it, it's a famous story in the Bible. It's about one of the most famous prophets in the Bible. And I've just been kind of mulling it over saying, God, okay, God, what do you want to say to us through this story, you've given me this word. Now we're going to talk about the story. What, what's the connection? And so we're going to be looking at the prophet Elijah for the next couple of weeks. And we're going to look at how God moved, not just in and through Elijah, but how he moved Elijah. In this story, there are really three commands to move. And so we're going to look at each one of those over the next few weeks and see how we can be encouraged and how we can maybe hold on to some hope as we pursue God's will for our lives and, and maybe what moves God wants us to make, both personally and as a church. So I always like to set up a story with some backstory because it helps really kind of get us in the place to understand what's going on. If you're reading about Elijah, if you're reading through the, the Old Testament in the book of Kings, Elijah just kind of comes out of nowhere. Like, you don't get to hear about him as a kid. You don't, you don't know what his dreams and plans and aspirations for the future was. It's like, Elijah wasn't? No, now Elijah is. Like, you just start reading about him. So to set up when Elijah pops in the story, we're, we're in Israel, in ancient Israel. Um, they're going through this process. King David has come and gone. Now they're going through this process where king after king after king rebels and rejects God. And then God has to raise up another king to kind of bring Israel back to the, the proper worship. And after that king is blessed for about 40 years or so, his son decides that wasn't so much fun. We're going to go back and reject God again. And we're now in the time where there's a man named Ahab. 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 32 through 33. King Ahab arrives on the scene, and he's a bad dude. Not bad as in like bad. No, he's, he's bad. He's wicked. It says, first Ahab built a temple and an altar for Baal. Baal is the false god, false deity god of the Canaanites. That is God's, like, arch enemy. If you're thinking about the pantheon of gods. It's like Yahweh versus Baal all the time. He's always coming against Yahweh. Always trying to seduce the people of Israel. So this king builds an altar and a temple for Baal in Samaria. He sets up an Asherah pole. Asherah was like Baal's wife. They, they're always kind of together. And so he sets up this place of worship for Asherah. And it says, He did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings before him. 
Like Ahab was up to setting records. He's like, oh, y'all hadn't seen nothing yet. But it wasn't good. It was bad. He was not a good guy. So this is going on in Israel, the leader of the nation in outward rebellion against God. And so his behavior, his, his, his work in the nation begins to inspire other people to do the same thing. And it goes on to talk about a guy who tries to rebuild Jericho. If you remember, the, the nation of Israel is wandering through the desert for 40 years. They finally get to the place where God's going to lead them into the promised land. The first city they have to conquer is Jericho. They, they go around the city seven times, and then on the seventh time, they blow the horns. The walls come tumbling down, and they destroy the city. Because it was the first city, God says, this city belongs to me. You don't get any of the plunder. You have to burn it all to the ground. This is your offering. It's your tithe to the Lord. From, you're going to get everything else. You just give me this city. And then Joshua pronounces a curse. Anyone who tries to rebuild this city is going to do it at the cost of their oldest son and their youngest son. And here, under Ahab, some guy thinks we can do whatever we want. He goes to rebuild the city at the cost of his firstborn son and his youngest son. Because the nation is following the direction of the king. His influence provoked rebellion throughout the land. So what does God do when the leadership is wicked and the nation is wicked? God raises up an Elijah. And I think for where we are in our nation and in our day of time, I think we're in a place where God is ready to raise up some Elijahs. And not just one. But I think this is what he wants for the people of God. So here we are in the nation of Israel. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, this is how we're introduced to Elijah. It says, now Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for what you've already accomplished in this place today, what you're already doing, how you're already moving, how you're already speaking. And God, I believe in my heart, if it wasn't uh, confirmed before, after the time of prayer we just had, it's confirmed now you are going to move in powerful ways this year. But God, we all live lives in this broken world. We're all carrying baggage to some degree. There is something the enemy has put in our lives that's trying to rob us of hope, of faith, of confidence that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So God, I just pray you drown out the voices and the lies of the enemy now in Jesus' name. You give us ears to hear, eyes to see a mind that understands, and a heart that's ready to believe in God that your fire would begin to burn even now and kindle in our hearts now the very seeds that you want to sow deep down, God, that, that we'd begin believing for greater things, that we'd walk away encouraged and not discouraged, and that, God, you would speak the word that we need to hear today to bring this shift into our circumstances and the situations that we brought in with us this morning. Lord Jesus, you are the way maker, the miracle worker. We believe you for all things. And we thank you for what you're about to share. Speak now, Lord God. We're listening in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So up until this point, we know very little about Elijah. But we were just told that Elijah was a Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead. Don't you love Bible names? That dude's a Tishbite. What'd you say to me? He's a Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead. So Tish, Tishbe is a city in Gilead, in the land of Gilead. Now, again, names are important in the Bible. They often carry a prophetic weight or some type of symbolism. So Tishbite, a Tishbite or Tishbe, the name means captivity. Now, where they're from in the land of Gilead, the word Gilead means a rocky region. It was a rocky place. It wasn't known for lush and farmland, and it was a rocky terrain, kind of an unpleasant place to, to live. So in essence, if we put that together, Elijah's hometown represents being a captive in the wilderness, a captive in a land of desolation. Now in the Jewish context, the Jewish mind, the wilderness was the realm of darkness. It was the place where uh, evil things are found. It's the realm of the dead, or more so the dwelling place of demons. If you think Jesus in the New Testament, when he talks about casting out evil spirits, he says when a spirit comes out of a man, it goes into waterless places. It goes out into the wilderness, into the desert, but finds no rest. So the wilderness, the desert, the, the place of desolation, in the mindset of a first century Jewish person was to think of the place of darkness. So what is God doing by telling us where Elijah is coming from? He's saying, I'm raising up a prophet whose name means my God is Yahweh. I'm raising up a voice out of captivity in the land of darkness. That God is taking a person who's in captive in this land of darkness, the land that was supposed to be the kingdom of God, the place of priests that would lead the nations into the worship of God, has now become a land of darkness. They become captive to sin and the worship of false gods. And he's raising up a man, a prophet, to speak on his behalf. And the first person Elijah speaks to is the king. Now in Hosea chapter 6 verse 8, talking about Gilead, it says, Gilead is a city of sinners tracked with footprints of blood. So Gilead, this place Elijah's from, is not a good place. It's a place of wickedness. It's a place of darkness. The people are held in captivity. But God calls Elijah out of the darkness to stand against wickedness in the wilderness, to be his voice both to call forth a disciplinary measure for his people who have rebelled, who have rejected their covenant, but also to be a voice crying in the wilderness for the people to repent and return to the Lord. So again, what does God have Elijah do? He has him speak to the worst king, the most wicked king Israel's ever had in their history, and has him declare that a drought is going to come. There will be no rain until I give the word. Now, if you're talking to the worst king of Israel, the most wicked king, you're siding with his enemy, Yahweh, and you're saying, God's going to put this land into a drought until I give the word. What do you think that's going to do to you? 
That's going to make you enemy number one. So what's Elijah have to do? He has to run for his life. He has to get out of Dodge. In pronouncing this drought against the king, he's enemy number one. So God comes to Elijah, and he speaks to Elijah. And this is the first command. This is the first thing we're going to look at today, this situation that Elijah finds himself in. In 1 Kings 17, beginning in verse 2, it says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, what's that word? Go. The first thing God says after Elijah obeys God he, he begins his call by standing against the king. The first word of the command he gives them is to go. Where? Go to the east and hide by the Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him, camp beside the Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. So Elijah obeys God, and then he has to go into hiding. Think about what's happening here. God asks Elijah to go speak to the king on his behalf. God puts Elijah in mortal danger. That's his call. You are going to face some fierce odds. You're going to face some difficult situations. But then after he obeys God, he then leads Elijah out back into the wilderness to a specific location. And he promises to take care of all of his needs. So Elijah goes where he sends him. And while he's there, think about what the scripture just told us. While he's there, he has fresh water to drink. And he's got unlimited DoorDash delivered by ravens. He doesn't even have to cook his own food or go out to the grocery store and get it. He doesn't have to hunt. He just has to wait for the birds to drop it by. You know. I mean, think about that. That's pretty awesome. So yeah, God, I did, I did what you told me I had to do. Now you've taken me out to this place that's safe. No one knows where I'm at. And I've got all my needs taken care of. I have now not a care in the world. You're taking care of everything. And this, I think, if, if we're real, I mean real, this is where we land in our minds about what we expect when we follow Jesus. God, I'm doing everything you said to do. Now you need to take care of all my needs. Right? This is why adversity is so hard for us. It's because we think if we're honoring God, we should have no problems. We should just have all the running water and all the free food we could ever want. I like free food. You like free food? I like free food. Yeah. One thing we have to remember about Elijah, though he's in this cushy place with all the water he could drink and free food delivered by ravens. He's still on the run. He's not out of danger. Though God has brought him to a comfortable place. You see, King Ahab wanted Elijah dead. But also Ahab had married 
a woman named Jezebel, who wasn't even a Jewish woman. She was a Sidonian. She was a prophetess of Baal. So she worshipped Baal. And she was hunting down all the prophets of God in the land of Israel and killing them. So he wasn't in this place because he didn't have a care in the world anymore, even though he was getting his needs taken care of. The land was so wicked that the other prophets of God were being hunted down and killed. And so Elijah is in the same position. Though God might be putting him in a comfortable place, he might be taking care of his needs, where he doesn't have to worry about waking up the next morning and, and what's going to happen. He's still in a war. And often in this Christian life, we get to that comfortable place where God's taking care of everything and we forget we're still in a war. There's still an enemy hunting us down, trying to figure out where our weaknesses are, where he can come at us to prevent us from doing what God's called us to do. What's interesting about this brook, this called the Kareth brook that he's drinking from, the word Kareth means cutting. So if you think about what God did, God led him into the wilderness to this place that we look at is seemingly comfortable. But it took him away from everything that has ever given him security. His friends, his family, his hometown, civilization. It cut him away from anything he could find comfort and security in and made him completely devoted and dependent to God. See, if Elijah was going to be blessed by God and be used by God, then Elijah would have to decide to follow God to a place that would remove all the comfort and security from his life and go against the grain and find everything he needed in the saving arms of the Lord. And I, I think this is the challenge we have as we look at people through this Pinterest lens. You know what I'm talking about. You know, I love the fact that there's a website called Pinterest Fails. It's for all the real people in the world. Like you go on to Pinterest and you see this awesome like do-it-yourself DIY project and it looks amazing. Like this person is like super crafty. And then you go to Pinterest Fail and you can see all the people in real life that tried to copy it and how horrible and miserable their, their results were. It brings reality to life. We look at Elijah being fed at the brook and drinking from the brook through that Pinterest lens and be like, oh, follow God and all will be well. When we forget that it wasn't all well with Elijah. He was removed from all the things he was depending on for his own security. And he was completely dependent on God. And beloved, I think God is trying to do that in our lives today. Because we live in a culture and we live under leaders that are in direct opposition to God. Yet we still try to find ourselves trying to fit in and maintain status quo, compromising little by little to have that normal life and be happy the way world's, the world says we should be. But I believe God has something more for us as the children of God, as the church of Jesus Christ. He has something greater in store for his church than simply 
living like the world says we should live. A life that is filled with happiness. Because Jesus has a peace the world cannot give. And joy everlasting that's not found in the world. But it means standing against the powers that be and following Jesus into deserted places. Into desert places where he alone is our source in life. And that's not comfortable. That's very uncomfortable. It requires some cutting. So here is Elijah. He followed God's command to go. God told Elijah to move, and Elijah made his move. And now he's in this place that seems like he's living at peace with God, blessed by God. He's right where God's said to be. He's doing what God said to do. Remember, God's the one who said, go to the brook, and I'll feed you there. So what does Elijah do? He goes to the brook. He's right where God said to be, doing what God said to do. And you know what happens? 1 Kings 17, 7. After a while, the brook what? Well, that doesn't make sense. But why did it dry up? There was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Who said there wouldn't be any rainfall? God did through Elijah. Elijah, you're doing what I called you to do. Go to this place where you'll have water and food, and all will be well. Okay, God, let's do it. Hey, that brook's a little smaller today than it was yesterday. And before long, there was no water. How does that make sense? God, you told me to come here. You led me to do this, and you promised to take care of all my needs. Where are you? What's the deal? Have you ever been in a situation where you're doing everything you believe God wanted you to do? But then things start going badly? I have. The Word of God says in Proverbs to acknowledge Him in all of our ways and He'll direct our path. And we take that as He'll direct our path to nothing but prosperity and blessing. What happens if He directs us to a brook that dries up? We followed His lead. We stood up for what's right. God, we did what you wanted us to do. But for some reason, my friends don't want to hang out with me anymore. God, I, I, I know you said I, I, I got to be honest, but now I don't have a job. God, you told me to marry this person, but now we're divorced. God, you told me to do this. God, I, I was faithful, but now everything's happening in the exact opposite direction that I thought it was supposed to go. And everything begins to go opposite of how we think it's supposed to go when we follow the Lord. It can be really defeating and discouraging. We can have a crisis of faith. When we're in that place of care, 
but it feels more like a drought than an oasis of blessing. Can you imagine what Elijah was thinking? Like, I, I love just getting in that headspace for a minute. It makes the Bible so real. I mean, in James it says he was just a regular person like we are. So if we're feeling a certain way and probably thinking some words we don't say out loud, he's probably doing the same thing. You know, my wife always tells me that if you think it, God already heard it. So, you know, you're not any more spiritual than someone that says it. Can you imagine what's going through Elijah's mind? God, you said you'd take care of me. God, what's the deal? Why'd you bring me out here just to die? I was going to get killed in Israel. Now I'm in the wilderness and I'm going to die. Can you feel the doubt and discouragement he might have been feeling in this moment as he's watching the provision of God dry up right before him? Sometimes following God feels like that. It feels like God's being unfair or he's being unjust, or he's just too slow at fulfilling his word when he made these promises to us. And sometimes, if we're honest, we think maybe God is a little cruel for making us go through some things we didn't think we would have to go through. But beloved, we have to remember that our feelings are not the barometer for truth. I am more guilty of this than I'd like to admit. But I'm often more led by my feelings than I am the Holy Spirit, or the Word of God. And when we're led by our feelings, they are very deceptive. Beloved, His Word is the standard for truth. And His character can always be trusted. Why? Because His Word never fails. His Word never fails. God has everything in our lives perfectly timed and planned out. And the good news in this story is that it doesn't end here. God speaks to Elijah again, and he gives him another command. We're, we'll get into the details of that next week, but it's another command to go because he has his provision provided for at another location. So I want to just plant here for a minute and pull out a couple of takeaways from this passage that I'd like us to consider when you're following God and your brook dries up. When you're following what God asked you to do. When you're going, when you're moving with God and your brook dries up. Number one, beloved, I want you to remember that you're calling. And I want you to remember who called you. Remember your calling and the one who Called you. You see, Elijah's call was not to be fed by ravens and drink from a brook for the rest of his life. That wasn't his call. His call was to stand against a wicked king as the voice of God and facilitate the repentance of a nation through managing a drought. He was a prophet. That's who he was. That's what he was called to do. Elijah's call was to oppose the king. He was called by God to oppose the king, to stand up for truth. He was called by the God who always provides and never fails. Was God still providing for Elijah? Yes, it just wasn't in the manner that Elijah thought it was going to be. See, beloved, your story isn't over until your call is accomplished. 
I'm going to say that again. Your story isn't over until your call is accomplished. See, Elijah hadn't called for rain yet to return to the land. God hadn't won a great victory in Israel yet, so his mission wasn't over. If he had stayed with the ravens and by the brook, he would have never finished the job that God had called him to. So what did he have to do? He had to make a move. Number one, remember your calling and who called you. Number two, when the brook dries up in your current situation, remember your provision will manifest at your next destination. The provision is on the way. The breakthrough is coming. The answer is around the corner. Why? Because God will never leave you hanging. He always comes through at the right time. You know, we talk about doors of opportunity. When one opportunity closes or when one door closes, another door opens. You've heard that, right? Our problem is, is when one door closes, we try to bang on it to get it to open back up. We keep banging on it until our knuckles bleed because we don't want to give up on the opportunity. Come on now. You see, what we see as a setback is really a setup for the next thing God has planned for us. It's not a setback. Our problem is, is we don't like change unless we need an extra quarter for something and then we pull it out and put it in the machine. But we don't like things to change. We like being in control. We want everything to stay the same. We panic when things begin to change because they're out of our control. And when we panic, what do we do? We begin to doubt God's faithfulness. Begin to doubt his promises. Start trying to manage our lives and our circumstances. But God had already provided for Elijah at his next destination. And I believe, beloved, in your life and your circumstance, the breakthrough you're looking for has already been provided for. The breakthrough for Elijah was declared, but before Elijah could experience the breakthrough, he had to make a move. He had to leave where he was. He had to go to the next place. Your breakthrough has already been declared. God's just waiting for you to make your move. To make your move. Now, we live like we think God wants us to always stay in the same place. Like, especially in our country and in our culture, we strive for comfort. My wife and I uh, got a kick out of the time we were hosting a foreign exchange student. Uh, Natalia was with us, and we were just talking about the differences in culture, and we wanted to know what someone from another nation thought about America. Because we really haven't had that conversation before. And, you know, Hollywood's everywhere and the movie stars and movies and all this stuff. And we thought, you know, what do you guys think about Americans? And she said, well, we think Americans are fat and lazy. That's what she said. So her perception was that Americans were fat or lazy. Why would we have that perception? It's because our entire lives are bent towards creating comfort and ease. It's not enough to have a microwave. We have to have minute rice for the microwave. Like whatever is the easiest possible. And now like we've got those virtual reality headsets. So it's not, 
it's too hard to talk to someone face to face. So we'll just put a, some sunglasses on and we'll talk to them over the internet. You know, we're trying to do this all with our lives. It's our culture, the way it's set up. We think we should live at the same place and be as comfortable as possible, that our lives won't need to or shouldn't have to change. But beloved, following Jesus requires us to follow Jesus. It implies that he's going somewhere. He's doing something. He's at work. So if we're going to follow Jesus, that means we have to move with him. Our lives are continually changing. Sometimes it's the place that changes. Sometimes it's the position we occupy that changes. Sometimes it's the people around us that have to change. But through every circumstance and through every change, beloved, our call remains. Who God has called us to be, what he's called us to do, it remains. Romans eleven twenty nine, and this is such a redemptive verse for those especially that have made mistakes in their life, maybe in their ministry. It didn't plan out the way that, that they thought it should. They knew God was calling them at a young age, but they put it off, and now they're old, and they think time has passed them by. Paul says in Romans eleven twenty nine that God's gifts and his call are never withdrawn. It means you've never messed up too much. You've not gotten too old. It's not too late. The season hasn't passed you by. What he's called you to do, he intends you to accomplish. Because he who started the good work will see it through to completion. The gifts and call of God are without repentance. They'll never be withdrawn. You might have messed up, made some mistakes, and hesitated. But what God's call has been on your life, it's still your calling. And every believer, no matter what facet of life you come from, what stage you are in your journey with Christ, every one of us have been called to reach the lost with the gospel of Christ. To go into all the world and preach the gospel, to make disciples. There's a call on us as believers that none of us are exempt from. Where we find ourselves at work or with our family or whatever sphere of influence we have, that is our mission field. That's where we've been called to be light in the darkness. To stand against the darkness and bring people to the light and hope of Jesus Christ. You see, no one wants to give up comfort and ease. But if you're like Elijah today and your brook has dried up, something God's called you to, it just seems not to be panning out. Doors are closing left and right. And you're wondering where your next drink is going to come from, your next place of rest. Beloved, the answer to your need or your prayer is going to come. But the truth is, and I want you to hear me on this. If you're in this place and your brook has dried up and you're beating your head against the wall saying, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What's the deal? I want to just share my heart with you today. And I believe this is from the Lord. The reason why your brook had to dry up is so that you would be willing to move. We, we, we get to this place and we're stuck and we're like, oh, what's, what's happening? My, what I thought was going to happen is not here. God, what do you want from me? And God's saying, I already told you what I wanted you to do. You haven't done it yet. So I had to dry your brook up so you would move your butt to the next place. You got to go. You got to quit making excuses. You got to quit drinking from a dry brook. You know what happens when you drink from a dry brook? You get a teeth full of dirt. 
You get a bitter taste in your mouth. Drinking dirt. I think of how my wife and I started in the ministry. This was totally not our plan. <laughs> this was not our plan. My desire, my goal, since I thought about my a lot. I don't know about you, but I was very into my. My goal was to be a professional musician. I look back on it now, and I'm thankful God sent me another way, because I didn't have what it took. No way, no way, no how. But my goal was to be a professional musician, to be in a band and to write songs and to perform. And, and when we were first married, that's what we were doing. We were playing music around everywhere. And, and uh, it was like, man, we had this group of friends. We had some talent. We were starting to write songs and, and records and play shows. And it was so much fun. I could just see the, the lights in my head. I could just see it. Like one day we'll get to the, the big stage. One day that'll happen and the dreams will come true. Believe in God for, for blessing and prosperity, right? And so we're pursuing that. And then we begin to start a family. And my wife and I have a conversation one day, and she's like, you know, we might want to reconsider. You can't really work less than part-time for minimum wage, you know, pay and raise a family. So we made the collective decision to pull back and to pursue other things. And God led us in the ministry. We started leading worship at a church in, in Missouri, and that church began to like dissolve and self-destruct because, you know, sometimes church people don't get along. I don't know if you knew that. Sometimes they don't get along. And, and out of that, God called us to come up to Michigan. And so in 2010, we made it to Michigan. And that church was doing great. And after a few years, it began to have the same kind of problems and, and uh, began to fall apart. And out of that, God called us to plant Vertical Life Church. And many of you know this, some of you may not, when I became the lead pastor of Vertical Life Church, you want to know how many times I preached publicly in front of people? Twice. Because public speaking was an incredibly massive fear in my life. It was. I mean, I had hyperventilated and had nervous breakdowns behind stage, getting ready to come out many times, because I was like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. It was a complete act of faith. But what I see is that what God planted and the seeds planted and sown in the first ministry became fruit in the second ministry. And the seeds planted and the fruit harvested in the second ministry became what was birthed in Vertical Life Church. And how every move, God was moving us along the way. And now I can honestly say, I believe I've discovered what I was always meant to do. My kids don't like that I talk this much at home, but, you know, I appreciate you guys keep coming back every week. But I know we're doing what God's called us to do. This is what we live for. But early on, when we pulled away from the music and the band to pursue ministry, it was like a gut punch to me. And because it was my wife's idea, I blamed her for my dream not happening. And that was dirt in the teeth. I kept secretly hoping that, okay, we're going to do this for now, but maybe another opportunity will come up. We'll get another band going. And I kept that hope alive. 
that dream alive because I kept looking back at what I thought I wanted. And that became a cancer in our relationship. And that became destructive in our relationship. Because I was holding things against her and the way I would speak to her and lash out at her and be rude to her and different conversations was a result of the brook I was still trying to drink from that had dried up. All the while, God was wanting me to move on to bigger and better things, much more fulfilling things. I was still trying to hold on and cling to what I had in my own mind. See, each season and stage is a training ground for the next. Maybe you're experiencing some spiritual drought today because God told you to move a long time ago. And you're dragging your feet. You're still staring and setting by a brook that's dried up. I believe that God is ready for you to make a move. And I think he's excited for when you take the first step. Number three, God is ready to make his move. But beloved, are you ready to make your move? Are you ready to step out? Are you ready to do this thing? Isaiah 43, 19 and 20. God says to the prophet Isaiah, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. This is what I love about God. For us, it's new. The God's like, I'm way ahead of you. I've already been at work. I've already planned this thing out before you took your first breath. I already saw this coming. I knew that you would do this that wasn't so hot like when you were five, but that would lead me to be able to work this out when you're 50 to be super awesome. God's already been at work. So for us, what he's about to do is new, but for him, it's something he's been anticipating for this moment to come to pass. He says, do you not see it? In other words, take a second, slow down, take a breath, open your eyes, and just look at what I've been doing. I'm about to do something. Can you see how I've set it all up? Elijah, you are at the brook with the ravens. But can't you see that when I had you command the drought, inevitably the water was going to run out because that's what happens in a drought. But that was decreed so that you would go to your next destination and we'd have some fun over there. I've already begun. Don't you see it? What am I doing? I will make a pathway through where? Through the wilderness. I'm going to create rivers in the dry wasteland, the wild animals in the field will thank me, jackals and owls too, for giving them water in the desert. You're not the only one that is blessed by your blessing. The people in your sphere of influence gain favor by the grace on your life. When you're moving with God, and it looks impossible, it's unknown, it's scary, but you're following him, you're moving with him, the provision's going to come, and the people you encounter are going to be forever changed by your life. The people who are not, the people that are in your sphere now, that is going to be multiplied and amplified. I heard a pastor once say, God is preparing you for a prepared people. 
There are people that you've yet to encounter that are going to be dramatically changed by your life as you are walking and moving with God. He says, yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland. Your brook dried up here. Guess what? There's a river over here. And why do I do it? Why do I make rivers in the dry wasteland? So my chosen people can be refreshed. Do you need a refreshing? Do you need a renewal? It's not going to be found where you are. It's found where you're going. It's found where God's at work. God isn't about to do something new. He's already doing it. He's making the path. He's restoring places long devastated. And that's where you're going to find what you've been longing for. So beloved, what's God been speaking to you that you've been unwilling to act upon? And maybe because it's just because you're scared. Maybe it's because it's a lot of unknowns. You don't have all the answers and you're a logical mind and you need to have everything, all your ducks in a row before you're willing to make a decision. What is it he's been speaking to you? Because if he's been telling you, it means he's ready. What brooks have dried up in your life that you're still trying to drink from? What's the stuff you're still holding on to that's keeping you from moving forward? Some of you may be presently like I was years ago and you just have a bitter taste in your soul. Maybe for many years now. But I believe just like Isaiah said, God wants to wash that yuck out of your mouth. And he wants to refresh you with a new drink. But beloved, it's going to require change. Because you're going to need to grow past what you were that you've been holding on to to become who God has called you to be. You're going to have to let go of some of the things you've been holding on to to become who God has called you to be. So what do you need to lay down? What are some of the things you need to let go of? Some things you need to say, God, you know, I've been holding on to this for a long time because I've been unwilling to let it go. But today, I'm just going to lay it down so you can get it out of the way and we can begin moving forward. What do you need to lay down so you can rise up to your full potential in Jesus Christ? Because God is ready to move. We pray all the time, God, make your move. God, make your move. You know what God says? How about you make your move? How about you trust me? How about you believe in me? How about you act on that thing we call faith? He wants you to make your move. And then you know, when we do that, what do we see? He was already moving. We just couldn't see it because we hadn't moved with him. Amos 3.3 says, can two people walk in the same direction and not be in an agreement? No, if you're walking in the opposite direction of God, you're not in agreement. So he's going this way and you're going this way. The place of provision, the place of his presence, the place of his power is found side by side with Jesus Christ. Walking in the spirit, following him. 
I know sometimes we can feel like our spiritual life is in a drought. We don't want to read His Word anymore. We don't feel like praying. We're not excited to get together with the church. It becomes a chore. We have to drag ourselves to the church. We don't want to worship anymore, serve anymore, because we're spiritually dry. And we're dry because we've lost sight of the reality that communing with God and the fellowship of the church, the fellowship of the believer, is a privilege to be a part of. This is a privilege. And I believe in 2022, beloved, that if that's you, if you need God to reignite your heart, your joy, your hope in this season. It's not going to be found in drinking from dry brooks. You're not going to find it holding on to things in the past or things that were before. You're going to find it with new water, with new wine. I believe God wants to give you a new wineskin, a new container, a fresh vision, fresh hope, renewed strength. But we have to stop clinging to what's holding us back. And we have to make a move toward Jesus. And maybe for you today, that's beginning a relationship with God, a real relationship with God for the first time where you say, God, I'm done controlling my life. Today, I want to give you my life fully and completely. You're in control. I submit to you. I don't live for my glory and my praise. I live now for your glory and your praise. We call that being saved where you receive the forgiveness of your mistakes and your past and your sins and you receive his amazing grace. Like Jesus said, joy like living water will begin to spring up in your soul. It's a beautiful thing. Maybe you have a relationship with God and you know Christ, but you're still drinking from dry brooks and today I just believe God wants you to lay that down. And say, God, I'm tired of drinking dirt. It's not satisfying my soul. Today I need a drink of cool water, refreshment, that I know is found when I'm in alignment and agreement with you. Today you need to choose today to start acting on what God's been speaking to you. Trust he's already made the way and that you will be victorious. And for some of you, this is going to be huge. Some of you, that means coming forward for prayer when you haven't done that in a very long time. There's some people coming forward for prayer is easy. They do it every week. It's part of their life. They, they're like, if God's doing something and if he's down here, I'm going to be right down there with him. Some of you, it would take a life-altering decision, a life-altering circumstance for you to get so real enough of your dependence on God to leave your seat and come forward to be prayed over by someone in the church. Maybe that's the first thing you lay down. Some of you have hopes and dreams and things of the past you've been clinging to that didn't pan out. And because that didn't work, there's this belief you believe that, well, if that didn't work, then how will any of this other stuff work? How can I believe God for something different if what I believed for in the past didn't come to pass? And I would say, beloved, that wasn't his plan for your life. So it's time to stop holding on to your plans and start receiving his plans. And you need to lay that down. Maybe even forgive God for not meeting your expectations. And then ask his forgiveness for putting those expectations that weren't true on him. And restore your relationship. Relationships are a two-way street. 
whatever God is speaking to you right now, don't hesitate. Don't stay where you are. Don't keep drinking from dry brooks. But make your move. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just thank you for today. I thank you for this message, how I need it. So many times, so many dreams, so many occasions of moving with you and walking in the spirit and following you, God, I have hesitated and I have held back on because of fear, of worry, of doubt, of just not wanting to because of selfish desires or reasons, all the while missing the reality that what I truly needed, what I truly wanted for my life was with you where you were leading me. God, this world has done a great job convincing the body of Christ that following you is not as cool, as fulfilling, as fun, as other things we can find in the world. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you give us fresh eyes today to see the world as the dry and dusty land where there is no water the way that it is and open our eyes to the kingdom of God. God, I pray for everyone here today, those that are weary in their soul, those who are dry, that need refreshment, that need revival. If there's anyone here, God, whether they're watching online or here presently with us, God, that needs to accept Jesus as their Savior, I pray, God, that today would be the day. And in just a second, when I pray, God, they would pray with me, that they would, as if you were standing right there before them, they would pray these words to you from their heart. God, I pray that you would begin to break off the hard heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. You begin to change them, even before we say amen, into the new creation, God, that you promised that we become. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would wreck wreck their expectations, wreck their life, wreck everything the enemy's been trying to do, God, and show them that true fulfillment, true joy comes through knowing Jesus. So right now, if you need to accept Jesus as your Savior, you want to make him Lord of your life, I just encourage you to pray with me, either here or online. You say, Father, thank you for loving me. I know I've made mistakes. I know I've sinned against you. And I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Today, I'm trusting in Jesus. I know he died for me. And I know he rose again so that I could be your child. I put my faith in him as my Lord and Savior now and forever. And Father, I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit. You'd give me the strength to lay everything down that hinders my relationship with you. And that I could rise up into who you called me to be. That you'd receive glory with my life now and forever. Lord, we thank you for the work you're doing. And we pray for the next few moments, Holy Spirit, you draw every person 
everyone that needs to make a move. That there wouldn't be a filled seat if that's what it takes. And God, that you would begin even now making rivers in the dry wasteland and paths in the wilderness that breakthrough power be released. Healing power would come in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet as Tony sings. If God's speaking to you, you come forward. Come on now. Don't hesitate. Make your move. And we're going to pray together for the next few moments. From all of us at Vertical Life Church, we want to say thank you for listening. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to www.blchurch.tv forward slash give. Thank you and God bless.